what's up, New City Church? God, what a morning it's been already, man. I tell you what. Jim, welcome to the family, my brother. Welcome to the family. Awesome. Awesome. Love to see that, you know, and I love the humility with which you approach this. You know, you, you, know, you could have just very easily been all adult-like and said, yes, I feel like I should just need to take that next step. Man, you were actually really honest with me and said, man, my, my, my family's rocking with Jesus, man. I want to just sort of catch up. You know, I just love that, dude. All right, just that honesty and that, that I just need to, man, I need to step up my game. And that's just, that's, that's, part, that's just great, man, and I just appreciate that. Um, you know, Mikey, thank you for being the influence on your family the way you've been, you know, and uh, I, I talked about Mikey first and second service, and in the third service they come in, and I said, hey, I need to ask you permission about something. He goes, I said, I wanted to talk about you, because I already saw. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, I beg your forgiveness then, but, um, but it's such a cool story, and you know, we're talking about having miracles in our lives, and like, I need a miracle as this series. That is a miracle that, that an adult man would listen to his son and be influenced to the point where I've got to step into this fellowship with Jesus. That's crazy, right? It's awesome, and it is. That it's, it takes that, like, that's a miracle in and of itself. People say, well, how come miracles don't happen anymore? Boom, right there, right? This is, this is what we're talking about. There is healing that continues to stay, to, to, to happen uh, in this world today. There is, there are things that you can't explain that are continuing to happen through Jesus all the time. But uh, we are in a, uh, a place where sometimes we, because of our familiarity with Jesus that we talked about last week and our, the fact that we, uh, he's always talked about, or some of us have always gone to church, that we are so familiar with Jesus, just like in his own town where he couldn't perform miracles, uh, I think that's part of what we are seeing today. And so that's why, like, this emphasis on, and this, this, this recurrence of what we talked about last week with the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, that sometimes we tend to lose that all because we kind of mask it with Easter bunnies and, and, and eggs, right? And, and that kind of thing. Like, like, here's the thing. Jesus was dead, and he rose from the dead. He came back to like, that's crazy, right? And that's the stuff we've got to be, be thinking about. I think I've met everybody, but if I haven't, I'm getting ahead of myself, man. My name is Casey. I'm one of, one of the pastors serving alongside you. And I'm really, really jazzed up about our prayer meeting that we're going to be having tonight at 5 o'clock. Going to start at, at 5, uh, going to go till 6.30. And here's what we're going to do. And I'll, and I'll tell you this ahead, like right off the bat, um, because this whole idea of how we are approaching Jesus and what that means and how we're supposed to do that biblically, we're going to do that very thing tonight. And we're going we're gonna to ask Jesus to do a miracle in our lives. And so those notes and those pieces of cloth we, we pinned to the to the, uh, the fabric on the back there, those are all miracles that we're asking for as a church. And so if you, if, when, if you get your miracle answered, if you would, if you'll take that off and lay it up here and then uh, talk to somebody about it and let, let us know. I've had several people that have said, hey, God already answered my miracle this week. So if you've got that, don't forget to take that off because we want to see those things gone by the, by the end of the month because we're going to be going through this series called I Need a Miracle uh, up until then. And, and I love the fact that so many of us, and this is why I'm just so, like what Jim's story and the whole Lynn family story, why, why I'm just so impacted by it, is that you, you could have been very easily, well, I don't want to, in fact, here's what Jim said, hey, I'll get baptized anytime, but I don't want to be an inconvenience, I don't want to bother people, I'm like, are you kidding me, that's what we're here for, like, you know, and because and, I love that about 
him. See, some people, like, they don't want to bother other people. They don't want to, you know, that kind of thing. And I appreciate that. But, but ultimately, it's not a bother to do God's work, right? And this is what, what it's all about. Um, some people will never bother anybody. Have you ever, like 30 years ago, if somebody knocked on your door, rang your doorbell, I know Mayor Don's talked about this quite a bit, you know, just like this whole idea of community, we're losing it. 30 years ago, somebody walks, uh, you know, knocks on your door, ding dong, it's like, hey, somebody's at the door, all right, you know, we'll knock it, open it up. Somebody rings your doorbell today, it's like, shh, 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 shut up, kid, speak up, boo. You know, I don't know what, like, it's just that whole, like, we've lost that, uh, like, we don't want to be bothered, and we don't want to bother other people. Uh, some people will bother their waiter or waitress if something's not right. Uh, I used to wait tables for, like, several, like, several years, and I still don't like to do it at all. Like, I, I just, because I've been run ragged so many times, that's okay if there are worms on my burger, it's cool, you know, you don't have to take it back, it's no big deal, I don't mind, you know, so. Really, in the whole scheme of things, what's the big deal about that, right? And I just don't want to bother even the waiter who is supposed to be dealing, uh, taking care of things like that. But, but some of us, like, we approach God that way in, in a lot of ways. Some of us don't want to be bothered. Some of us don't want to bother other people. Um, and in the spirit of Miss Delaney, who watched Dumb and Dumber for the very first time yesterday, she... Y'all can stop your prayers. The miracle has happened. We can take that off the, okay. <laughs> but you watched it. What'd you think? Come on, man. Come on. Cinematic masterpiece, right? Is that, is that what I heard? I think that's what you said. Um, maybe, I, maybe that's what I heard, wanted to hear. But I've got a clip for you from that excellent movie uh, that talks about what it means, or this, this whole idea of not being bothered or, or bothering somebody. Yes, yes. I've had a wonderful time so far. Thank you. God, it feels so good to get up here. I haven't been outside that much in the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah? Why not? Um, there's been some family problems. But I don't want to bore you with those. Thanks. <laughs> oh, look, Frost. <laughs> Let's just watch the rest of the movie. Is that cool? That cool? Yeah, right on. That's so good, man. That's so good. But that's kind of how we approach things a lot of times. At least... At least uh, Harry, uh, Harry was honest enough to just say thanks. You know, <laughs> just, but that, ten, that tends to be how we approach things. It's not right, but we don't want to be a bother. We don't want to be bothered. And we approach that same thing with God, don't we? But here's the thing I want us, to, want us to walk away from today. Like We have got to be a bother to God because God is not bothered by us. In fact, we are not a bother to God at all. And, and I love this because so many times we think, I don't want to bother God with those little things, or I don't want to bother God with that thing. I'm going to wait till I get cancer, or I'm going to lose my house, or my marriage is going to fall apart. Then I'll bother God with the big stuff. But he wants it all. He wants us to, 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 to talk to him about all the things that are going on in our lives. Amen? And that's kind of how this works. Mark 10 is a chapter that we're going to go through, and I'm going to break it up and kind of go a little bit out of order for a particular reason. But Mark 10 is a way for lots of people, like, like there are lots of ways that Jesus was approached at the time. One of the things that is a heartbeat, one of the things that I'm, a passion, that I'm really passionate about is for people to see Jesus the way Jesus actually is versus a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Nazarene Jesus. Like, I want you to see the Jesus that actually walked with people. Here's what we find out when you actually look at it that way. The God of the Bible that came in the form of a man 
people that were nothing like God wanted to be with Jesus. And so if we are in him and he is in us, people that are nothing like God should want to be with us too, amen? And that's the important thing we've got to understand. So Jesus says this several times in Matthew 11, uh, 28. He says, come to me, all of you, some of you, right? No, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's saying, come to me. John 6, 37, everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. John 7, 37 says, if anyone is thirsty, he should bother me, right? No, come to me. It's not a bother to him. If you're thirsty, he's not saying, oh, you guys got to quit nagging me. No, it's like we are to, and how often do we come, how often are we thirsty? A lot, right? We need water every day, so we're to come to him all the time. And so Mark 10 is a powerful passage in this that, that helps us to understand how Jesus wants us to approach it and how he wants us to approach him. And so when we come back for the 5 o'clock prayer service that we are directly praying for, now nothing wrong with praying for, Lord be with the city, Lord be with us as a community, be with us as a church. We're going to do that. In fact, we did that a couple of weeks ago, brought the city council up on stage and laid our hands on them and said we're we're praying for you to be guided by god in that we're not going to do that though tonight nothing wrong with that this is not going to do that tonight you're going to come in and you're going to fill out a, fill out your name and and what is specifically you're being prayed for then we're going to ask you to come in and sit with the lord for a, you know a few minutes and then we're going to have somebody specifically pray for your specific miracle that you're praying for is that cool it's exciting but it's also scary because we're like, oh man, we're about to we're about to put the ball in Jesus' court, right? But he has the power anyway. I don't have the power to change anybody's fate. I don't have the power to perform somebody's miracle. Uh, Jesus has all that power. If he uses me to do that, that's great. But it's ultimately his power, amen. And so it's kind of one of those things where it gets scary when we start talking about miracles because people t t tend to think it's weird, right? They think, well, we're going to bring somebody up on a, in a wheelchair and, hey, stand up, and everybody claps and stuff like If that happens, that would be awesome, but that's not why we're going to do this. We're going to pray specifically for you, specifically for the miracle you're asking for. Scary, but it's going to be awesome. And we're going to ask God to do his thing, only the thing that he can do, amen? And so Mark 10 is one of those things where, one of those things that, that if you look at all of Mark 10, there are several things, several people that have approached Jesus asking for a miracle. Mark, uh, starting in verse 46, uh, Jesus has walked through, and one of the things I love about Mark, it's a lot of travel language. Then they went here, and then they went this. It's very, a lot more uh, direct and summarized than a lot of the other uh, gospel accounts. But listen to what he says here. They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, and I love the fact that Mark puts that detail in there so that people could go back and verify it. It validates the scriptures. These scriptures were written by people who actually saw or were, were interviewing eyewitnesses for what they saw. And so when he writes this, people can go back and verify it. And I imagine some of those, those things that happened like later on down the line. Oh, my dad knew Timaeus. I mean, oh, oh I remember that, that guy, that Bartimaeus, when he got healed. Man, he was driving everybody nuts, begging all the time, that kind of thing. So he's a blind guy. Who's a, he's a blind beggar, and he was sitting on the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. 
And many people told him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. They were like, Shut up, dude. Come on, man. Jesus has got bigger fish to fry. He's, he's on a mission, right? He's busy. Don't bug him. Shut up, blind Bart. This is what they did. Listen to what happened. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage. Bro, you better buck up because the Son of Man is calling you here, right? Love this. Have courage. Get up. He's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came, came to Jesus. And then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? As if Jesus had to ask. There's a reason Jesus asked here, and I, and I dig this, man. Because it's obvious what blind Bart wants. He's blind. He wants to see. But Jesus has to have a dialogue with us. There's something we need to learn about this. We don't ever want to just say, well, Jesus knows stuff that I need, so I don't have to ask and I don't have to have a dialogue. Amen? This is what he said. What do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, which is exactly what Mary said to the risen Jesus we talked about last week. It means teacher. The blind man told him, I want to see and Jesus is like, oh, yeah, McFly, I know, right? Go your way, Jesus told him. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he could see and begin to follow him on the road. I'm going to get back to that because that's an important thing. Not only was he healed, but then he walked in step with Jesus. See, when it's really, really bad, or, or I would even say when it's really not all that bad, we still need to make some noise with Jesus. A few weeks back, I talked to you guys about no longer praying polite prayers. Stop lying to God about our stuff. If we are having issues and we need a miracle, we don't need to go, God, everything's fine. No, it sucks, right? Sometimes it does. And we need to be honest and tell him that. It's okay. He can handle it. This is what David did in the Psalms. He's like, listen to me, God. I'm crying out to you over this. And please hear my voice. Stop being quiet with God. Disrespectful, no. Bold, yes. Impolite, maybe somebody might think that, but it doesn't mean that we're disrespectful to God. It means we're, we're going to him and says, I need a miracle here. When it's really, really bad, or I would say even when it's not so bad, you need to shout in the right direction. It's not bad to call somebody who's a friend and say, I'm really in trouble, but your friend does not have the power that Jesus has. Jesus has the power. Let's go to the source of that power. And, and, and we, like, that's where where miracles happen, which we're experiencing today. Do not assume, and when I say this, be careful. Do not assume that God is aware of your problem. He is, absolutely. But don't make that assumption like, eh, he already knows. I don't need to say anything. No. Shout to him. Cry to him. Talk to him about this stuff. Let him perform that miracle. Beg him to do that. Ooh, you might have to raise your voice even. <gasps> really? I think he can handle it. He's God. He's tough. And it's okay. I'm not saying, again, please don't hear me. It's cool to just go yell at God and put him in his place. Oh, no. Don't even approach it like that. But it is okay to be impolite and beg God and tell God how much this is, this is hurting. It's really cool. As a matter of fact, it's what he wants. He didn't say, Bart, why, don't you, why didn't you come to me before? Like, how come, how come this is the first time I'm hearing from you? He didn't say any of that. 
He said, what do you want me to do for you? And Bart says, I want to see. Before that all happened, in Mark 10, verse 17, he said he was setting out on a journey. A, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, good teacher, Jesus, I need a miracle, right? I need to be saved here. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, God. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your, your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, he probably said a little smugly, well, then I'm good because I've done that. I've kept all these from my youth. In other words, that ain't nothing to me. I've been doing that since I was a baby. Then looking at him, knowing his heart, Right? Jesus knows, who, knows what's going on with him. He says, looked at him. Jesus loved him. A lot of people don't realize that Jesus, they think Jesus was mad at him and knew what was in how, how, how terrible his heart is. Guys, newsflash, everybody's heart is naturally terrible. Like left to my own without God, dude, I'm going down some terrible paths, man. It's, but this is what he does. But he loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Hear this. He may be telling you this, but he is for sure telling this guy this, but he may not be telling you this. A lot of people read this and go, oh, is that what I have to do? He is telling this guy, knowing what is in this guy's heart, you lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, which is what Bartimaeus did, right? Then come and follow me. But he was stunned. At this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. And I've heard pastors and preachers teach this. That they said, well, this guy just walked right into hell. Because the materialism and idol worship gripped him to the point where he was disobedient to Jesus. It does not say that. It said he was grieving because he had many possessions. But it never said that he didn't go and follow Jesus. He may have. But ultimately, like that's up to, to Jesus to open up his mind and his heart amen you, you kind of get that a lot of people trust this guy but we're all in that boat in a lot of ways like if if, if jesus said you know if, if he wanted us to do that how would we react in a lot of ways so please don't judge this guy but understand something man god has the power to do all this my prayer is that i get to meet this guy in heaven one day and go oh you're that guy wouldn't that be cool when we ask though no matter what he's asking us to do. Because he might be asking us to deal with something in our lives before he performs that miracle. Right? He may be saying, you need to handle this part of your business here before you, you keep praying for this miracle. But you're really rebellious and, and not listening to me in this other area. Right? So no matter what, when we ask, then we need to step into obedience. Here's what we got to understand. It is ridiculous for us to go, God, will you perform this miracle in our lives and then walk in the opposite direction? That makes no sense at all. When we say who is the one who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the creator of absolutely everything we see, the one who came to earth, made his dwelling among us, among us and people wanted to be with him, fulfilled hundreds of prophecies written prior to him ever coming to the earth and rises from the dead, he's the guy that, got, that has all the answers. He's the guy that we need to follow. Like, why would we follow ourselves into an opposite direction of the guy that has all the power? It makes zero sense, but that's what we 
naturally tend to do. And this is the push. When we're going to be boldly asking for miracles to happen tonight, we're going to be asking people to step into that obedience with Jesus, walking with Jesus. Is that cool? It's a challenge because it's real easy to say, hey, you know, do whatever you want to do and, and that kind of thing. Jesus will take care of you and all that kind of stuff. And actually, he's saying, hey, I'm going to perform miracles in your life, but before I do, some of you need to do some things that I need you to, to do. It's kind of wild. And if you love me, you'll obey me, as he, as he says in other scriptures. Mark 10, starting in verse 35, James and John, two of his closest disciples, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, teacher, we want you to do something for us if we ask you. You see a pattern here, right? They're willing to ask for this, which I admire for these guys. But they're asking with a motivation that is not honoring to God. Listen to what he says. What do you want me to do for you? Do you guys see a pattern here? Does Jesus know already? Yeah, he's omniscient, omnipotent, omni-everything, right? He's, he absolutely knows everything. He knows all the hairs on our head, absolutely, no doubt about it. But he keeps asking, doesn't he? Because he's asking clarifying questions. Let him ask those questions. What do you want me to do for you? They answered him. Allow us to sit at your right and your left in your glory. In other words, we want to be places in places of prominence right next to you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. If you don't mind, sir, that'd be kind of cool, right? But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able. They told him. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those it has been prepared for. And when the other ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. What, you trying to cut in on our glory too, man? Oh, you think you're better than us, James and John? You think you're going, we're going to bow down to you? You think you're better than everybody else? You think you're smarter, bigger, badder, faster? These are real people that really lived and really saw and did what we're reading about. These are conversations that, that were happening. They became indignant. Remember, Jesus becomes indignant we'll talk about here in a second but but they became indignant with james and john they were like what dude seriously why would you do that what are you trying to cut in on us and stuff do you think ah, it's just crazy stuff but that's the motivation that people have we want to be honored versus honoring god jesus called them over and said to them calm down fellas you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the gentiles dominate them and their men of high positions exercise power over them. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your, a slave to all. For even the Son of Man, listen to this, this is Jesus, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Man! Like, Jesus is teaching these guys, look, because all the guys that were mad at James and John were mad because they're going to lose their positions, right? And he's like, calm down, everybody. We're all in sin here. You need to learn to serve others. Even I, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the creator of everything you see, the name that every knee will bow to, did not come, deservedly so, to be served, but to serve 
so is also with you. Wow. Man, do you see how powerful this is? Here's the thing that you're going to understand. When you start stepping into asking Jesus, man, you might get rocked by what he tells you. Be ready. It's okay. Because ultimately, man, our desire is to follow him and love him and obey him and be disciples of him. Amen? Wow. Love this. Sometimes our answer is neither a yes or a no, but it's a deeper understanding of what Jesus wants us to do. And I must, you must, we must start walking wherever Jesus tells us. Boldly ask for the miracle, yeah. And then walk in step with that miracle and walk toward Jesus as he is performing a miracle in our lives. And the creme de la creme, the, the crux of how we're supposed to approach this is in, is in Mark 10. It's kind of how he starts this whole process of people coming to him asking for for miracles starting in verse 13 it says some people were bringing little children to him so he might touch them but his disciples rebuked them in other words they said hey hold those little rugrats back we don't need no crumb snatchers um, in front of the king of kings and the great teacher look they got snot in their nose anyway they're disgusting man Get them a, like we don't need to be bothered by these little children what they said they rebuked the people that were bringing the children to to jesus so that he might touch them and when jesus saw it he was indignant same indignation that the guys had with james and john in other words he was pretty po'd about this wasn't he he wasn't happy about this he wasn't he would he didn't just turn around and say well calm down let him he goes hey hey those are children Listen to what he says. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Woohoo! Man, we better get we better be ready to get rocked in a great way when we approach Jesus. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and, and blessed them. Man, Jesus got on to some people, didn't he? For how, like, these children, beautiful, amazing. I love these children. I love these children. I do, man. I love them, man. Like, think about this. This is how we're to approach God. The couple Fridays ago at the Good Friday service, my family surprised me. I uh, drove up from Georgia for my birthday and stuff. It was so cool. We had boiled peanuts for days. It was fantastic. We're from Georgia, right? I think I'm still digesting those too, but that's all right. But one of the things that my family really loved is to see manna go up and, and like lay down on one of these pillows and cross a leg and just have that bottle. She was like, ah. Right in, front, right in the middle of the service, right? Now, I'm not saying we as adults need to be immature. But Manna wasn't scared. And she wasn't like, oh man. She was willing to just rest. You know? And Jesus wants us to come to him and he will give us rest. You understand this? Man, when we start thinking like a child, I'm not, now, and I, I had somebody say, you don't need to say that. But I'm gonna, and I want to preface what I'm going to say, but are you childish? 
Like, are you childlike? Are you not immature, but are you, are you, are you willing to approach God without any reservations, without going, oh, man, he's good at man. He knows all the sins that I committed. He knows what I looked at on the Internet last night. And he doesn't know how much I drank yesterday. He knows what I put in my body. And he knows the things that I've done and the cussing and the yelling at people in traffic and stuff like that. He knows all that stuff. I can't do that. The children just went to Jesus. And the mature people tried to stop them. And Jesus is like, uh-uh. That's how I'm supposed to be approached. Wow. Is that not the coolest of the cool? And he wants that. And we don't bother him. And so my final question, before we finish the service and, and take communion together, it's like, can you be childish? Yes. But do you know what you want Jesus to do? Sometimes we have problems articulating it. I have no idea what I'm like. Yeah, yeah. He does. Why don't you ask him? I'm going to do it a little bit opposite. Ask Jesus what he, what you need. Sometimes we don't know how to even articulate it, but ask him. And if you want some cloth to put up on, if you think of one, and you want to put something on the curtains that we are going to be praying for miracles over in there, awesome, fantastic. But as we take this communion together, right, I want us to understand, remember what Jesus said. I want you to be with me. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. Remember what we talked about last week. He goes, I'm going to my father and your father. He is not just our savior. He's not just our Lord. He's our brother and our friend. That's hard for people to understand that, but that's who he is. And if we're childlike in the right way, and we approach Jesus the right way, man, and he asks us for what he wants us to do, why wouldn't he? perform that miracle in our lives, why wouldn't he say, you know what, you need to learn something here? And why wouldn't he say, you don't understand what you're asking, so I'm going to say no at this point. Why wouldn't we, as a child, trust that? Amen? Because it's a miracle for him to even want to be with us at all. And to save people, and to raise up families, and to wake up parents because of their children. That's a miracle. And so I'm going to pray for us here in a second, and as we as we talk through this and take communion together, we've got crackers that represent the body that Jesus that was broken for us and, and juice that was representing the blood that was shed for us. But but I want us to be thinking about, man, this is a sweet deal. See what I mean? See what I mean? That's kind of cool. Jesus goes, mm. But think about, like, we get to approach Jesus in a way that, like, what if we were like his, like his like children reaching up for dad? Reaching up for our brother who's going to save. It's totally different when we look at it like that. And so rather than being the Baptist Jesus or the Catholic Jesus or the Presbyterian or Nazarene Jesus or Jehovah's Witness Jesus or Jesus of the culture, what if we approached it the way that he said to approach it and saw him for who he is? Amen? So, Father, here's what I want to do. We're praying for a miracle. The very fact that, that you want to be with us at all and have anything to do with us at all is a miracle in and of itself. We don't think of it a lot of times that way, but, but God, it is. You fulfilled hundreds of predictions about you, written a long time before, before you ever came to the earth in the form of your son, Jesus. And that's real hard for people to understand, but ultimately you rose from the dead to show exactly who you are. 
You sent your Holy Spirit among us to, to, to truly be able to live with you and be guided by you all the time. And you've promised to be with us always. And yet still, we tend to think, oh, you don't want to be bothered by that little thing. Or, oh, you know, man, I can't come to you now because cause it's just too far gone. Or, Lord, you'll, you know, it's just too, the, the, the doctors say that it's just too far gone. Or, Lord, uh, someone says my finances are such that it's just, man, you, I need a miracle, God. Lord, Father, as we take communion together, as we don't want to do this in an unworthy manner. We don't want to do this in such a way that that our hearts and our minds are not right with you. So God, as we take this communion together with you, with one another, may we continue to realize that you are the one that wants us to approach you like a child. May we never be too grown up for that. May we never be too educated or too big for our britches to just approach you the way you want us to approach you, the way you have said we need to. And when you perform those miracles in our lives, Lord, and when you answer the questions or give us greater understanding when we ask, may we step into that obedience with you because you said you're with us always to the very end of the age. It is in your son's precious and amazing and beautiful and holy name that we pray. And thank you, everybody in the house of God.